You're not feeling like yourself anymore. You're not alone. Whether you're concerned about your weight, your energy level, a lack of sex drive, or hormone imbalance, solutions are waiting for you at NAVA Health. With a technology-driven approach, NAVA's medical experts craft custom plans that adapt as you progress, optimizing your health. Start feeling better now at navacenter.com forward slash POD. That's navacenter.com forward slash POD. Or call 855-680-6282. Results may vary. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. terrible things. I'm Laura, a true crime and horror fan who enjoys researching dark and twisted stories. And I'm Amanda, and I'm a licensed psychologist who enjoys studying the worst of humanity. So today, Laura, I'm going to tell you about Richard Speck. Okay. Have you heard of him or? Sounds familiar. Yeah. But like, I can't recall any any facts about him, but I, I feel like I've heard the name. You definitely have, and the reason I know this for certain is he was featured on a Mindhunter episode. Ah, uh, okay. Like one or two of them. Okay. So, and he's he's got an interesting interesting little wrap up at the end about things in his life. <laughs> oh, like his his recollections or? Uh, no, oh. no. Um, interesting. Some interesting little scandal that went down after he was already in prison. Okay. Interesting. I'm ready for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to do a lead in because I think this one is going to be a little, little more towards our longer kind of episodes, but not a two parter. (laughs) Not a two parter this time. (laughs) Yeah. We're taking breaks from those. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to take a little bit of a break from that shit. (laughs) So Richard Speck was born Richard Benjamin Speck in December 1941 to a large family in Illinois. And a little over 20 years later, he would be arrested for the torture and murder of eight nurses in Southside Chicago. Nurses? Interesting, like, victim pool or victim type. So it's a more of a mass killing, but I think he still uh, technically is considered uh, a serial killer based on some other things. But. Yeah, I think there's, like, a lot of details that go into that. They're like, you killed a bunch of people. Well, so did you. Yeah, but you, like, did it in, like, a really, like... You did it over seven years. You did it over the span of one night. But then you got this sprinkling of other people over here Mm -hmm. you killed. So Yeah. Yep. And I'm going to do what I always do and start by discussing a little bit about his background. Mm -hmm. So Richard had seven siblings growing up. So, again, a big family. And he was the second to youngest child of the Speck household. Okay. His family was described as very religious. (laughs) (laughs) it's always religious i know (sighs) so when richard was just six years old his father died oh okay so he has that tragedy happening at a young age and his mother ends up remarrying pretty quickly after this and the whole family relocates from illinois to dallas texas 
where they were then living with their abusive alcoholic stepfather. Oh, great. It's always an abusive alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah, it seems to be. So it's like you have this initial very religious family that has a lot of siblings. So I'm sure they're not all getting quality attention. And then tragedy where the dad dies and mother remarries an asshole. What is the, um, there's a word for like, um, it's probably not even like culturally appropriate or not culturally appropriate but like politically correct but i know my parents used to like call people um like if they were the kind of baptist that would go into church every sunday or whatever and as soon as they were out of church they were in the bar but like nobody could know or they like they would drink at home you know and it was very closet alcoholics i guess or closet baptists that's what we refer to like some family members as um (laughs) tito it's not a teetotaler that's someone that doesn't drink I can't. It, it's called a something Baptist. Like it's it's specifically yeah. in the South. Like you know whatever. It's just oh. like oh yeah, I'm you know I'm the greatest person <laughs> ever. And then they go home and like drink a fifth and beat the shit out of their kids. And you're like oh yeah, that's yeah. it's really working out for you. Huh? Like only on Sundays. I've mm-hmm. heard like they're Baptists only on Sundays or something like that. Yeah, something but... something like that. Some, I think it's I was gonna say just hypocrite that's I mean that would be the uh, you know the technical term for it is you're a hypocrite yeah but uh oh, I wish I could think of that I know I can't maybe I'll think of it while we're while we're talking because I think it. I've heard of that mm-hmm. phrasing too mm-hmm. at some point but so there's an interesting little bit that I looked into before just diving back into um, Richard's story mm-hmm So I came across an article from a renowned professor and consultant on many areas in psychology, including forensics and criminal justice. And his name is Dr. Michael Amat. It's A-A-M-O-D-T. So I think it's Amat. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And he, I think, is based out of the University of Radford in Virginia. They have a forensics program. Okay. So the article titled The Incidents of Child Abuse and Serial Killers was co-authored by Heather Mitchell and sought to determine whether physical abuse, sexual abuse, psychological abuse, and or neglect occurred at higher rates among serial killers. So they were looking specifically at the prevalence of these individuals having experienced one or more types of abuse growing up. Okay. And... Another little interesting piece, they were specifically looking at those who kill for sexual gratification. Gotcha. So the lust killers, the Jerry mm-hmm. Brutos. Yeah, types. the Jerry Brutos type. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and the authors, not surprisingly, found that every form of abuse other than neglect, so physical, sexual, psychological, was more prevalent among the lust killers. Hmm. Okay. So thought that was interesting. It's not surprising. But. No, but I mean, it's so, so complicated on like, because there are people who experience, you know, the same type of traumas and don't become, you know, like serial killers and stuff. Oh, so yeah. it's such an interesting like spider web of, you know, or butterfly effect, I would guess I would call it, where it's just like something, something snapped yeah. and they just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And why these specific individuals yeah. go down that path versus the individual that doesn't end up killing a bunch of people over their (laughs) lifetime and has still had these horrible tragedies in their life. Yeah. So I'm going to get back to the story. I just thought that was Mm. an interesting little article. And during Richard's early teenage years, so I think like this was middle school, early high school, 
He was not performing well academically in the Dallas school system, and he ends up dropping out of school altogether by the age of 16 years. Okay, so just just a childhood that's just not going great. Again, this is 1950s. I mean, that wasn't uncommon. Yeah. But, you know, still, it's yeah. going to like probably mean like, you know, hard physical labor jobs, things yes. like that. So. Yes, difficulty in terms of financial opportunities, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah. So and it's just one more little piece of it, I think, where it's like he's falling through the cracks. Right. And it also seems that by just 13 years old, he was a full-fledged alcoholic. Wow. And he had been spending time with much older boys or men at this point. Well, that's bad. 13. Yeah. I can't imagine what the uh, the effects of alcohol on a developing brain are. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, like when you're 21, your brain's not fully developed either. But like an adolescent brain is, you know, susceptible to. Yeah, you're still well in the horn. What impact it's going to have on hormones, what impact it's going to have on some of those parts of the brain, like the frontal lobe that are still developing. Yeah, because I know fetal alcohol syndrome, fetal alcohol effects and how damaging that can be. But yeah, one would assume it would have some negative effects. Not to mention the crowd he's hanging out with. Yes, is not like it's not it's gotta not be good if somebody is giving this 13 year old liquor (sighs) bunch of booze absolutely and in 1955 so i think he would have been 14 or 15 yeah 14 or 15 richard was arrested for trespassing and this appears to have been that first crime that would kind of follow this string of crimes later on okay and basically he's he's just butting into this delinquent at this point yeah so 13 alcoholism 15 14 or 15 first crime 16 he's done with school yeah and then the string of crimes just continues just a bad path yeah and not that like not that everyone has to go to school that's a weird one for me that's not really not that everyone has to go to college or go down that traditional path exactly yeah that's not the issue here though is like school like dropping out of school is the least of my concern for this kid like if you're an alcoholic at 13 that would be my major uh concern because obviously you're coping for something that is very difficult for you to deal with so Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it's also where is that parental influence? Like I know parents can't prevent everything, but so outside of these ongoing delinquent behaviors, it appears that Richard was also cultivating a bit of a romantic relationship. And at the age of 20 years old, Richard married 15 year old Shirley Malone, who was already pregnant with their daughter, Robbie Lynn. Gross. Yeah, but it's the 50s. It's gross, gross. Well, I guess by now it's the 60s, like very early 60s. Yeah, but I still don't think like super underage marriages are like highly like, no, no. And did they not have laws yet about uh, age of marriage? I guess if her parents signed consent, it wouldn't matter anyway. Yeah, if her parents signed consent, and this is Texas. I think now you can get married at 16 with your parents' consent. You can, and she's 15. Yeah. And this is back in, like, 1960, 1961. There were probably no, like, regulations or anything. I doubt it. There weren't enough, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) So they get married, but alas, this is not a happy marriage, at least not for Shirley, as it's reported that Richard was abusive towards his wife and would go so far as to rape her at knife point. Great. Great. Yeah. That's a great relationship. Yeah. 
Well, and for a 15 year old girl. Yeah. If she's experiencing this. I can't imagine. From the get go. Yeah. Yeah. And in 1965, so this is still while they're married, Richard ends up in prison for attempting to rob a woman at knife point. He's got a thing for knives. Sure does. And only one year later, his wife Shirley files for divorce. So they lasted a whopping four years, which uh, is a long time considering abuse and yeah. being raped at knife point. I would dip too. Like, yeah. 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 Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. During the marriage, Richard was in and out of police custody for various offenses, including theft, robbery, assault, etc. Mm-hmm. And January 1966, Pretty much right after Shirley had filed for divorce, Richard ends up being arrested and awaiting trial for burglary and assault charges. Okay. But, so it's, you know, it's still kind of these, I guess assault isn't, but he's only being arrested and charged for like more non-violent. Well, robbery is pretty violent. It's, yeah, but like under, under like law and it's not. Um, well, actually, that's not true. If he was using a knife, then it is robbery with a deadly weapon or assault with a deadly yeah. weapon. So that carries a higher charge than, like, you know, assault with your hands. Um, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, but almost everybody, like, robs with some type of weapon because otherwise it's hard to get people to comply to what you want them to do. Yeah. Um, people aren't going to listen. will just punch you in the fucking face. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I, I mean, I get it. it it's violent, but, you know... He, he's already been like raping his wife at knife point so yeah it seems yeah. it seems like this is like the very entryway into violent crimes for him where he's yes. like oh yes i can get things my way with a knife everywhere okay yeah yeah <laughs> i can rob people and assault them take all their shit take it all give me your shit in lieu of spending any more time behind bars he ends up fleeing back to chicago so he evades police, okay. flees from Texas, ends up back in Illinois. And now he's spending his days living with his sister, Martha Ann. So mm-hmm. he's kind of couch surfing with her. She's got her own family. This is only for a few days because he ends up moving back to his hometown of Monmouth, Illinois. And I think this is around the Chicago South Side area. Okay. He's still kind of homeless, though. <laughs> he doesn't have a job yet. He's, you know, didn't have a plan he's in place other than getting couch. the fuck out of Dallas. Yeah. Yes. He's couch surfing with some family friends. He was evading the law. So, I mean, I guess you don't really get a whole lot of time to plan in those scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Oh, Unless first he had this, find like, a job in a house. <laughs> yeah. He's got this vision board he's been working on in the background of when I return to my hometown, I'm going to work here and Mm -hmm. have a little condo with a picket fence and a dog. Yeah, No, not this guy. No. He does end up settling in a nearby hotel. Okay. And begins hitting up the local bar scene, all of which likely eases the way for him to continue down his path of depravity. Naturally. Yeah. So he he gets work as a carpenter, Mm -hmm. but he has a lot of difficulty holding down any jobs for long because of these frequent binges and late nights where he's just out drinking. He's an alcoholic. He's not a functional yeah. alcoholic. Yeah. No, no, he's not a functional alcoholic. I mean, booze comes first. Booze right. is his mistress in his life. <laughs> and before we get any further into the story, let's talk some numbers. Mm-hmm. Laura, how many people do you think Richard is accused of killing? I know accused is interesting, but I'll explain it. Ten. 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so the answer is Sweet. eight to thirteen. Eight to thirteen. <laughs> okay, so a happy happy medium ten. Kind of an average. Yeah, heck yeah, of an average. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I'm gonna. <laughs> I win. <laughs> you win nothing. I win nothing. I love winning nothing. So I'm going to elaborate a little bit on this range of numbers on what the, mm-hmm. why there's this five-person gap in between. There are a few crimes Richard is strongly suspected of, or at least was suspected of. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to talk about that, and then I'm going to get into the eight murders he was actually convicted for. Okay. So there are a couple of crimes that he was pretty much the main suspect for, but he, again, he ends up fleeing the area before he can be detained and questioned by police. Sure. Easy to avoid cops back then. Yeah, apparently. There were no apparently. systems Especially for this like, guy. communication between precincts and stuff like that. And... Yeah. It's like you pretty much you cross state lines, you're scot-free. It yeah. appears that way. At yeah. Least. Unless they put out like an so, APB for you and you're like a national like uh, issue. I guess yeah. that's how we got to define it. Like, um, what's the, what's the uh, America's Most Wanted list? or nation- Yes, the FBI's Most Wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah like- that. Like, unless you're on there, you know, which I don't even know if they had that then. Probably. I don't know. I don't know when they came up with the FBI's Most Wanted list. That's an interesting question. I don't know. I know I, know I watched America's Most Wanted on uh, TV when I was like four and yeah. they had the wanted list then. <laughs> so, and the sketches. A lot of times it was the like 90s. the police sketches. <laughs> there's and, oh, there's some bad. We'll have to do a uh, like a Patreon thing about uh, police sketches yes. for certain criminals and stuff. There are so many that you're like, is that a human? Well, it and doesn't. Who, what artist did you pick to? It doesn't to, look like the person. Some of them don't even look like people, Amanda. I've seen flat, like <laughs> child drawings, and I'm yeah. like, we used yeah. a, you know, a forensic. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You used a child. You used a child, and you were like, the one's eyes nephew and came a nose in, and a mouth and hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, that and that's a big thing with um we just finished the Night Stalker series on Netflix. Yeah. The sketches are terrible. Mm-hmm. How are you and supposed like, to identify this, somebody like that? It'll show the sketch and then it'll cut back to the two cops that were the main investigators and they're like, and it looked really, you know, it really looked like him. We had a really good sketch. And me and Ward were just like, Who are you protecting? You protecting the sketch artist? Did you draw it? <laughs> Did probably. like some of them were like bro nobody was gonna guess that guy from that (laughs) Mm -mm. i'm writing standard human you should these sketches do it pump it do it work it (laughs) okay so Uh, anyway (laughs) getting back um the first crime he is accused of or suspected of committing is the rape of virgil harris And this occurred back on April 2nd, 1966. The 65-year-old woman survives the attack that takes place in her own home. Mm -hmm. So that's one crime he is. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
strongly suspected of. Mm, this is making me like this is bringing back memories because I think I remember uh, the raping of an elderly like neighbor or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not elderly. Yeah. I mean, 65 is not elderly. Sorry. Well, but I mean, but. no, she. It's a senior citizen discount by that point. You're 65. (laughs) Or is it 55? Is it 55? I'm looking forward to those days. It's not. No, it's not 55, is it? I think you qualify for AARP. You're not looking forward to those days. Something of retired persons (laughs) by that point. When you become an adult, all you worry about is the discounts and shit you get for being old. And eating early and people not judging you for it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I had dinner at 3 o'clock. And then I was asleep by 7. Fuck you. (laughs) Living my dream life. Next, we have the murder of Mary Catherine Pierce on or around April 10th, just a few days later. Mm -hmm. Mary Catherine was a barmaid at Frank's Place, and this is a tavern that Richard was reported to have frequented. Okay. He probably frequented all the taverns. (laughs) He was everywhere. He was, was, if there was a tavern, he would, if IHOP served alcohol, I'm sure he would (laughs) have been there. Just Shonies. Yeah. So don't don't disparage Shonies. I loved I loved Shonies as a kid. I've never been to a Shonies, so I can't I can't comment. Imagine Golden Corral not on steroids. Well like, gross. Kind of um, dial back. Buffet. Like it's a Shonies yeah, is a buffet. But they also have a full menu. So they're not their main oh, thing okay. isn't necessarily buffet salad. It's like a it was like a beefed up salad bar i would order from the menu i didn't i loved man i loved fucking buffets and salad bars i was like i'm building the biggest salad possible bro i loved buffets like when i was younger too and then i learned about like germs and i've seen children stick their hands in things and it's just not appealing anymore it's not no i'm i'm not a buffet person now that i don't want e coli (laughs) it may not last for much longer (laughs) the predicaments that we're in these days well Someone needs to get the memo to Golden Corral. No shit. Still doing their chocolatey coli salmonella fountain. <sighs> but so Mary Catherine's body was discovered April 13th. So three days after they project she was killed. Mm-hmm. And it was discovered behind the tavern in a recently built hog pen. I don't know why there's a hog pen behind the tavern. Amanda, it's Texas in the 60s. It's 1960s. Yeah. It's probably in bumblefuck ass nowhere. Like, yeah, you know how it is. You've been, we've driven through and, and been places in the South that are like, oh, there's a gator yeah. pin outside the back of the bar for an attraction. Like, <laughs> or a gas station. Even worse, a gas station with a fucking gator display. Well, there's gators. Want to come feed the gators? Get your head ripped off? Who wants their kid to come in and get their head ripped off? <laughs> Like me, I have 12 children. I need one of them to go away. No shit. (laughs) (laughs) So Mary Catherine was just 32 years old, and she had died from what appeared to be a ruptured liver that they believe was caused by a blow to her abdomen. Damn. Or I guess multiple blows. That's a hard hit. Yeah. I would assume kicking. Yeah. Or some instrument. Another one of those... um, it was the stove that was supposedly used by the oh the anemic guy oh the fucking i cast iron stove yeah 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 no cast iron stove stove murders happening in the area no but yeah i feel like people often like at once you fall like kicking you in the stomach is always like a go-to it seems to be 
or the head. Yeah, or stomp, God, stomping. Dep- depending on if they're trying Ugh. to like actually kill you or not. Yeah, what their intent is. But yeah. So and that to me, that's just a lot of rage and aggression. Yeah, he an angry boy. He is very angry. Yeah. And he doesn't like women. Yeah, no. And these are two that he is very strongly associated with. And now one was rape, no murder. Second was, I think, just murder. I don't remember if there was sexual assault involved. But oh boy. <laughs> <sighs> something. Something. Soon after this comes even more tragedy as Michigan police are investigating the deaths of four women aged, and one's a young girl, seven, 19, 37, and 60 years old near Benton Harbor. So Great Lakes. I think the Great Lakes kind of region now. Large age range for his yes for his type like it, it seems to be just women oh yeah in general yeah it's just women doesn't matter if they're seven or 60 that's some rage it well and it's interesting because i can't remember if i read somewhere that he blamed his mother for not protecting him from his stepfather and held her accountable for the abuse so i don't know again is this misdirected fuck all these women and kind of thought his mom was a whore I mean, Ten Buddy was slighted by his girlfriend and fucking murdered a bunch of women that looked like her, so... Pushed him over the edge. Yeah. So, in this case, the first body was discovered in February 1965, and the other three were discovered in April 1965. So, they're back-to-back. Sort of. And then there's the cluster of the three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they're all in that same area of the Benton Harbor region, so that's why they're kind of tying it together, but... eh, Who knows? There can always be more than one serial killer operating in an area, unfortunately. Jeez, well, like kind of like Long Island serial killer. Oh, my Lisk. God. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's like, yeah. how many people are murdering people in this neighborhood? <laughs> can we not just have one? I know. No. Is there some, like, club we don't know about that exists Probably. for serial killers? I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, Ever seen the movie Hostel? i dive into that. <laughs> Well, that, and then I think about, like, Bohemian Grove, that shit. I don't know what that is. Ooh. Supposedly, it's an area, I think it's kind of been proven, where the elites, the people with all the money, gather and do some interesting shit. Oh, you mean, like, hunting humans? Ah. Uh, that's what I, I always assume. gone that far, but. That's what I mean. I, I assume hunting humans <laughs> and, like, heads mounted on uh, deer mounts. <laughs> Yeah. Some interesting plays gross take place. Oh. Yeah. And it's men. It's just men. All men? I think so. Men are weird. <laughs> men with money are even weirder. <laughs> Old white men with power are weird. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So one year later, so this is 1966, July 2nd, three young women disappear near an Indiana harbor. And again, this is the Great Lakes. These are okay. harbors yeah. right around the Great Lakes region. Oh, and the Great Lakes are a great place for dropping bodies. Apparently so. Mm-hmm. Or just popular. A lot of people want to. Is it just so cold and you're at the beach and you're pissed and you want to kill people? No, I think it's because it's cold and the, la- the lakes are extremely deep. And I think when, the body, when a body is cold, it sinks better or stays down. Well, it wouldn't bloat as much something there's some there's some reason people drop because lake tahoe in california (laughs) is also used for or was used for like mob yes casino murders and stuff okay yeah yeah 
Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. It's going to definitely have an impact on whether shit's sinking or floating, I mm-hmm. would think. Yeah. So in both of these cases, this is where it all kind of comes together and why Richard was, at least at one point, a big suspect. Richard was working on a ship that docked on or around the Great Lakes region. And the ship happened to be docked at these two harbors in a time frame that corresponds to the disappearances and murders. When it comes to a serial killer and you're like, oh, who killed these women? If there's a dude who's just running around murdering women, raping women, holding women at knife point, he would be my prime suspect. (laughs) Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you know he's got their reports of him being in or around the area at that time. Right. I'd be like, okay, well, you did it. Even if he didn't do it, like, I'd be like, yeah, you did it. Because, like, how can you not look at that guy and be like, you were in the same place at the same time and all these women are dead? It was you, buddy. It was you. You did it. Yeah. You did it. I don't know why they don't, like, admit (sighs) to shit either. Well, or they admit... They do the false confessions kind of thing where, and not the ones coerced by police, but where they're bragging mm-hmm. and saying they killed these people. Hundreds of, no, you didn't. You killed four people. I killed 450 people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one was an accident because you, yeah, you fell <laughs> on top of them with a knife and you don't get to claim that. But. We're not putting that in the books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... There are refuting reports that Richard could not have actually committed those first four murders, the Benton Harbor killings, Mm -hmm. because he was incarcerated for charges of aggravated assault from January 9th, 1965 to June 16th, 1965 in the Dallas County Jail. And these killings happened February and April of that year. So, okay, so maybe he didn't do it. He's claiming he was behind bars. I think there's a little bit of uncertainty as to whether that's true or not you should be able to prove that you should but although bumblefuck ass nowhere never mind (laughs) well and what kind of records they were keeping and was he paroled beforehand even though that was his initial sentence so i think there are some questions yeah with that but so that's the suspected Mm -hmm. that's why that number could be like up to 13 Mm -hmm. and now i'm gonna get to the eight okay eight he's convicted for and pretty much confesses to By July 1966, Speck was living between his sister's place and various hotels in the Chicago area. And then he's also bouncing between jobs at the National, National, at the National Maritime Union. (laughs) Okay. And the reason he lost his most recent job was that he threatened a superior officer with a gun. Sounds right on par on what he's been doing so far. Yeah. Although it's a man this time, I'm guessing, because... I would assume doubt 60s highly doubt that yeah his supervisor was a female in the 60s because you know he would have killed her with still were in the kitchen yeah (laughs) barely let out of our homes yeah so looking for work richard returns to the nmu and visits their hiring hall to apply for another sea time job so this is where he's been getting these seafaring jobs on ships yeah boat jobs they're very temporary it almost sounds like a contract kind of position where it's for an indefinite period of time yeah kind of like fishing or mechanic or like whatever yeah yeah and one day when he's there and i couldn't nail this date down it was sometime again in july 1966 Mm -hmm. he's very upset frustrated that he couldn't get 
a job that day. So he was there all day. He was waiting. They never set him up with anything. So he leaves the NMU and checks into a local inn, the shipyard inn. And this is important because it appears that while he was at the hiring hall, he may have happened to notice a nearby townhouse that serves a dormitory for several nursing students who were employed at a local community hospital. Great. Great. Yep. And I don't know if he noticed these young women kind of walking around. I mean, if he's at this hiring hall a lot, he did. He did. He saw them. Yeah. July 13th, 1966, Richard is spending the day like any other typical day for him. You know, tavern hopping, getting shit-faced drunk. And sometime that same day or evening, he rapes 53-year-old Ella Mae Hopper after he invites her back to his room at the shipyard inn. So they were out at a tavern together. He invites her back to his room. And yeah, one thing leads to another and he rapes her. Yeah, one thing leads to another. Yeah, no. Yeah, this dude's a tool. (sighs) Such a piece of garbage. During the assault, he, the papers and some other reports said he managed to steal a 22 caliber revolver from Ella May. She ends up surviving. He doesn't kill her. And this gun kind of comes into play a little bit and then is like poof gone. He he likes his knives. We'll just leave it at that. Mm. Richard ends up making his way to the student nurse's dormitory that same evening. Because it's only a few to several blocks from his room at this inn. He has nothing else to do, I guess. Well, and he's, I guess, drunk. There are reports that he's high at this point. Angry. Oh, yeah. Just constantly. And you gotta go take it out on some innocent nursing students who didn't do shit. Didn't do shit to him. And take it out on them, he does. So around 11 p.m. that evening, there's a knock at the front door of the townhouse that 23-year-old Corazon Piezo Amaral shared with seven other nursing students. And on this fateful evening, it just so happened that a ninth nursing student was staying the night in the dormitory. So we're up to nine instead of eight. Mm. Cora would later report the following events to police who arrived at the murder scene the next day. She stated that she opened the door to see a man in his 20s who was pretty much of average build Mm -hmm. and noticed he had a tattoo on one of his arms that simply stated, born to raise hail oh that's a good sign yeah i'd be like no thank you close (laughs) i don't want any girl scout cookies sir or your mary Kay. please leave or whatever you're selling and it's unclear whether she noticed his other body art which included tattoos on each of his knuckles you know when they love to get the tattoos on Mm -hmm. the the knuckles and fingers that spelled love and hate jesus this guy is a fucking cliche he is he is yeah accounts stated that the man abruptly pushed his way into the townhome brandishing a revolver and shoving cora back inside so that's kind of how he's just pushing his way in Mm -hmm. but one point to make here the illinois supreme court later established that richard had only ever had a knife and never actually used a gun during the rampage so i don't know why there are reports of the gun it's all very disorganized it's very disorganized, and she may have thought he had a gun. It's hard to recall in the, uh, you know, the heat of the moment. Yes, yes. Eyewitness testimony. She's one of the victims. Also, it sounds like she lived, and a lot of other people didn't. Yep. So, you know, it's, she's probably having some, some, some issues no. remembering and recalling no. details. No, she's fine. She's perfect. She's fine. Perfectly fine. It's, it's fine. like nothing happened. 
two other roommates, 22-year-old Merlita Gargulo and 23-year-old Valentina Pezion overheard the scuffle and were likely shocked and unsure of what to do when they come in and they encounter what's happening in the, the front room. Mm-hmm. Richard ends up ushering all three of the women down the hall of the townhome to a back bedroom, which is occupied by three more nursing students. We've got 21-year-old Nina Jo Schmale, 24-year-old Pamela Wilkening, and 20-year-old Patricia Ann Matusik. All very so they're, young girls. I think 24 is the oldest so far. Yeah. Yeah. So they are in their 20s nursing students. Having forced all of the women into one room, Richard and the rest of the girls were probably a little startled when yet another woman, 19-year-old Gloria Jean Davy, returned home from a date and entered the room where he was holding the other women captive. Unfortunate for her. So we are up to, gosh, Cora, Merlita, Valentina, the other three, four. I can't. Okay, one. I can't count. I started counting on my fingers and I stopped at four and I was like, that's more than four. Okay. Three, six. We're up to seven. Okay. You've got seven women. In a room. Captive in this back bedroom. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All of the women were ordered on the floor while Richard tore one of the bed sheets into strips of cloth that he then used as restraints. So the women were all tied up at the wrists and ankles. Mm-hmm. And then the two remaining roommates, 21-year-old Suzanne Ferris and 20-year-old Mary Ann Jordan, entered the townhome, encountered this terrifying situation with a strange man holding their roommates at knife point. So they are also bound in order to lie on the floor of the now, I'm assuming, very cramped room. Because mm-hmm. you got nine. In a one room. Ten people. Including him. On the floor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Somehow all on the floor. Mm. Yeah. One by one, Richard leads the women out of the bedroom and into another room where he stabbed, strangled, and for at least one victim, they're not sure how many this happened to, raped them. Mm-hmm. While this is taking place, a lot of the women try to hide under beds. They try to get out of view of him. Unfortunately, only one, Cora, the one that first encountered him, is able to actually stay hidden and survive the whole ordeal. So he just never realizes she's still there. Fuck, that sucks for Cora. Yes. There's no telling what she's hearing. Like, she just listened to eight eight of her friends stabbed strangled and murdered yeah and raped yeah possibly at least one of them yep in another room there's no way you can't hear that and you have to just lay there and for your own safety yeah just not come out now like so what is the there's a term for so obviously i know these women are young and he's a big dude whatever but there are very many of them like there's at least six when he first like ushers everybody in what is it called when people like they're so afraid of being hurt themselves that like they don't act because there was obviously enough of them that they probably could have overpowered or sure. hurt yeah. him got the knife whatever yeah like you know it's hard to fight off six people that's but yeah. for some reason people don't do that they don't <sighs> it's it's like it's similar to bystander non-intervention sort of. like it in its own way you're like waiting for somebody else to like yeah take action yeah i think you're waiting because you know whoever's the first to kind of jump at him may get stabbed Mm -hmm. so i don't know how much that element plays into it the other piece is there are a lot of i think it's three f's it's three or four f's 
of what happens when you're encountering a traumatic event for a lot of people. So even though there's power in numbers, everyone's experiencing their own trauma and their own reaction at that point. And it's fight or flight, Mm -hmm. freeze, and fawn. I think it's four. So it's, yeah, there's, everyone thinks of fight or flight. Like fight or flight are the only two. You know, you're either going to run or you're fight. It's not the only options. No, no. There's freeze, which is, I think, more typical to like how a, literally a rabbit, if it encounters a snake. Well, you just, you pause and you just. It's natural predator. It just, it freezes. Mm. It doesn't fight. It doesn't flee. Right. And humans have a similar reaction in that way. And fawn can't remember what fawn is i feel like fawn is going along with or like um not going along with but like it's like a it's like a trauma response where you just kind of like kowtow to things i don't know let me see i just looked it up um, <laughs> i'm like you, yeah, i don't know okay so fawning i just looked this up refers to a trauma response in which a person reverts to people-pleasing yeah. to diffuse conflict and reestablish a sense of safety. So it's when you become very compliant. Right. Like Stockholm Syndrome. And it's not... <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So that would be the fourth thing that is also very common for a lot of people. And the, the piece there is you want to survive. So you're going to comply. Yeah. So perhaps for a lot of these women, there's freezing. It probably just freezing and fawning is what's happening. And you got to think about how we're socialized, too. Especially back in the 1960s, women weren't taught to fight back. No, no, not at all. You comply. It's just so, like, it's it's so sad to me to hear of eight women being killed by one man. That is so frustrating to me. I know. With a knife. I know. With a knife. So, like, don't get me wrong. Knives can actually be more dangerous than than guns, especially in close combat. Yeah. But... Like, if all of them, like, you're going to die anyway. I know. You're going. And I don't know if I have that thought because of the things that we research and the things that we discuss and and our, you know, interests and stuff like that. But, and I've, I've been in some scary situations and stuff like that. Sure. But for for me, it always just triggers, like, anger is my first, like, go-to is just, like, rage at, like, how fucking... dare you the audacity of somebody to think that they have the right to take your life yeah yeah you know what i mean it just blows my mind and and you are right i mean the way that women were brought up and how you know how long we weren't able to vote and whatever yeah did definitely like i could see it adding to the likelihood they're going to respond this way it's just sad because like if if you would think like we're going to die anyway might as well die like before he can rape us all well or maybe a couple of us will live yeah yeah like maybe some of us will make it out okay and maybe he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with the knife maybe if we all bum rush him at the same time he's gonna get fucking like weirded out because a bunch of little women are running at him enraged i mean even grab a pillow and beat him i mean but it's easy to say i have no idea how i would respond it is and like what you said it's it's a different decade it's a yes it's a whole different situation we have a lot more freedoms and things as women now than women then did so absolutely it's just it just makes me sad well it it feels like it could have been avoided or or at least lessened yeah yeah maybe four of them would have lived you know or some of them might have gotten stabbed and had to go to the hospital and like but would have lived you know exactly so yeah 
I don't know, but I've never I've never been held at knife point with a bunch of other women before. So I definitely can't say for sure how I would react to that. Exactly. Hopefully we won't ever experience that. Hmm. I'm telling you. First is anger. <laughs> I'm gonna be the first one to die. You cultivate <laughs> that anger, Laura. It's, it's cultivating. I'll be I cultivating my fawning mechanism over here. I'm, you you lure him into a <sighs> false sense of comfort, and I will spider Jesus. monkey from behind. <laughs> I'll go into counselor mode. Yeah, just psychology mode and be like, look, I understand what you're going through. I understand your father. Was a dick and your mother was a cold, cold Protestant woman. And I'm sorry. <sighs> so after Richard was done killing what he probably thought to be all of the townhome's occupants, he went through the woman's purses, took whatever cash or valuables he could find, and then he left. The lone survivor, Cora, stayed hidden until about 6 a.m., when she emerged and ran to the closest window, screaming that all of her friends were dead. Alarmed and concerned, her neighbors notified the police, who arrived to investigate the crime. So the good news Ugh. here, if there is any, Richard is easily identified as the perpetrator of these crimes. No shit, he has identifying tattoos all of his fucking arms. Tattoos, he leaves fingerprints. There's a composite, which we know is... Oh, so reliable. Super accurate. Um, there's a composite of him that's passed around to the employees of the N NMU, and he's recognized almost immediately. So maybe the composite was actually pretty solid. And while police are searching for him, Richard ends up making an unsuccessful suicide attempt only a few days after these mass killings. Good. Well. I'm glad it was unsuccessful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I fucking, I hate it when, like, it's always, like... <sighs> suicide is not a coward's way out like people say that all the time you know what i mean and that's not yeah. true because it depends on a fuckload of circumstances and like you have yeah. no idea what somebody else is going through but when you commit a crime like this and then you're like oh i'll just kill myself no 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 sir yeah. no 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 we're gonna you're gonna live out the rest of your life in misery god damn it that's too easy for you you're gonna have to answer for it somehow at some point yeah yeah, it seems like cheating the like justice the the like family. Yeah, yeah like the the justice of the situation because it's yeah. like, well, he's just dead. Yeah, yeah, he got to do what feels like the easy way out for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but as in many things in his life, he failed. He did. He failed. <laughs> Poor guy. I mean, I don't know how much of that is part of his issue. If he's got failure syndrome to some extent or feels like a failure he's got to prove himself i don't know obviously he didn't try very hard he had a knife yeah no well he cut his wrists and arms kind of does that standard suicide attempt we all think of left to right oh i don't know but then apparently he cries out for help cries out for help <laughs> after the attempt so I guess he regrets his decision. And this ends up alerting the front desk at the Star Hotel. So he's at a different hotel now where he's currently lodging, doing drugs, hanging out with vagrants. He ends up getting transported to a local ER for treatment where a resident surgeon at the hospital just happens to notice the Born to Race Hell tattoo that had been mentioned in these local newspapers covering mm -hmm. the crime. So he's very quickly arrested and taken into custody. Surprising no one. Yeah. Well, and thank God. Pre-trial, at the request of the federal court judge mm -hmm. who was overseeing the case, Richard was evaluated by a panel of several physicians, including five psychiatrists, to Not determine, true. you know, is he insane? Is he 
competent to stand trial. Yeah. And they determined he was competent. He's not insane. There are also these interesting reports that he spent substantial amounts of time being assessed and treated by the Cook County Jail psychiatrist, Dr. Marvin Zborin. But I couldn't find any primary sources on this, so I'm going to talk about it, but maybe don't. Maybe true, maybe not. Yeah, maybe don't hold me to this. So Richard was described by multiple sources as having antisocial personality disorder and, which, again, not surprising. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Zaporin supposedly listed issues such as, and this is a direct quote from the Richard Speck Wikipedia page, because it's the only place I found this information, but I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So the quote is, obsessive compulsive personality and a Madonna prostitute attitude towards women, which is just the Madonna whore complex. Madonna whore complex? madonna whore is is so madonna is synonymous with a whore like complex opposite oh so madonna i think is a greek like goddess or oh we're not talking about the artist (laughs) yeah no 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 we're talking about like ancient greece this is like this madonna whore complex has been around for hundreds of years i think okay so the idea here is speck takes on this madonna whore dichotomy so he perceives women in one of two categories you, f- you can fall mm-hmm. into one of two categories and there's not a spectrum you're one or the other okay. so that's the dichotomy and it describes this polarized perception of women by some men some men mm-hmm. which sees women as either good so the madonna means they are they're chaste they're pure they're good mm-hmm. or bad meaning that they are promiscuous and seductive whores Okay. You can't be both. You can't be both. Yeah. You can't sprinkle in a little of one and a little of the other. No. You're either a whore or you're not. Nope. You can't be both good and bad. Lovely. Yep. You're either a whore or you're pure. And as you can already kind of see, this this creates a lot of problems in terms of a man's relationship with women. Because as soon as Mm -hmm. they fall from the Madonna. Right pedestal they're whores right no redemption and there's no coming back from it can't say any hail marys to fix this one bitch no redemption so richard's trial finally took place on april 3rd 1967 where he is charged with eight counts of murder and initially he is given the death penalty and this trial wraps up just 12 days i think the jury deliberates for like an hour and they're like guilty 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 yes death however The sentence is later reduced to eight consecutive life sentences and then subsequently ends up being reduced even further to up to 100 years of prison, still 100 years, after the Supreme Court rules that the death penalty is unconstitutional in 1972. So he gets that little loophole where we temporarily say that the death penalty is unconstitutional as a nation. Mm. It's a a tricky subject to the death penalty. It sure is. But, uh... Mm -hmm. Man. Well, and especially with the wrongful conviction. Yes, that's the major right. issue of it is you put somebody to death who didn't even commit the crime. That's a big, big problem because you just murdered mm. somebody, essentially. Have you heard of the Innocence Project? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Their information, the podcast Wrongful Conviction that I highly recommend, all makes me very concerned. We have put a lot of innocent people to death. We for sure have. But... There are cases where the right person is pegged and they deserve to die. Sure. Not by their own hand, 
but be put to death. Yeah. It just, it depends, and it doesn't surprise me his, his sentence got fucking, fucking reduced. Especially, I mean, he only killed eight women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They killed like, eight young twenty-year-old women that weren't twenty-year-old that girls weren't from the U.S. because a lot of them were foreign exchange students. So I don't know how much that who were just starting their like yeah. careers and lives. Yeah, yeah, yep. Piece of shit. So ultimately, Richard dies in prison from a heart attack at age forty-nine, mm-hmm. December nineteen ninety-one, after serving less than twenty-five years behind bars. Probably all that alcohol. Oh, God. Well, and possibly some other shit. Yeah, God God knows. And I am getting very close to wrapping this up. There's one other little caveat I have to mention because it's so interesting. So this is not the end of the story for Richard. So I think, and this happens, yeah, post-posthumous. This is after he's already dead. Mm-hmm. So some scandalous shit went down while he was still in prison. Okay. And I'm going to give you the details very briefly. Mm-hmm. So while in prison... Richard is apparently being given female hormones. Okay. As there are reports that he has developed relatively substantial women's breasts, although there don't appear to be any other significant physical changes taking place. And there is a video, and he does have breasts, some big knockers hmm. by this point. Were they giving him hormones to, um, like, to make him less ragey? I don't know. I didn't look that far into it. Because I, I know they use estrogen to, like, you know. That's a possibility. Like, because testosterone is our, our rage hormone. Like, I got the impression he wanted them. Oh. Oh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was just tired of not seeing any titties and he wanted his own titties. I need my own titties to play with. There's also this condition where men develop breasts. Yeah. Pretty much just develop breasts. And I can't think of the term, though, but it is this hormonal condition that sets in for some men mm-hmm. later in life. Yeah. Same thing with us. I mean, we get chin hair and stuff if we have too much testosterone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. So in 1996, so five years after he's dead, a TV journalist discovers a bizarre sex tape that had been shot while Richard was incarcerated during the late 1980s. And in the tape, and this is filmed in the prison somehow, in the tape, mm-hmm. Richard can be seen topless, his female breasts very apparent, as is also the fact that he's wearing women's panties, okay. and he is performing oral sex on other inmates, and potentially even doing cocaine in a few shots as well. What kind of prison is this? <laughs> Just having a blowjob party in the back with cocaine? <laughs> Well, and they said that they believe Richard and the other inmates took the video camera, I guess they just had a camcorder in like the the AV or the rec room or something and took it back with them. I don't know. I feel like somehow guards knew about this and just oh, for sure turn the other Bullshit. way. Potentially it's not even just a bunch of inmates helped just somewhere. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's weird. So the most troubling part of the video, at least to me, is when Richard describes the night of the murders of these nurses in great details, and he makes the following statement while laughing. It just wasn't their night. (sighs) So, and he's describing, you know, the details of the case. He's laughing about it, and it just wasn't their night. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I like revenge movies. (laughs) It's just like... (laughs) 
Somebody oh. needs to fucking stab that dude in the What's throat. the, like, I spit on your grave? I've never seen them because I, I don't, don't want to watch don't. a rape scene. But yep. I know it's a revenge. Don't. It is. It yeah. is. And it's like, just don't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just, not. It's a very uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable movie. And, yeah. like, it's it's too real, I guess, yes. I would say. Yes. I've gotten that from the descriptions of people wondering how the actress handled yeah. certain scenes and yeah. stuff. So I've I've decided it's not going to be on my list. No, no. not worth watching. But yes, that does yeah. fall under the revenge category of films. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And that is it, my friends. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, if you have any feedback, be sure to leave us a message on social media or at our website, which I again need to update, mm-hmm. damn it, which is simply terriblepeopledoingterribletings.wordpress.com. And remember, terrible people are everywhere. And you might just be one of them. Bye! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.